Welcome to Back to Debbie, the only Debbie podcast brought to you by Campus to Ken. I'm your host, Mike V. This is Corey P. With spring news kicking up, we are going to do our very own version of spring battles today. But of course, we'll be going over the news, two player profiles from the 2023 draft class. Corey, hit us with the news. Yeah, so we got spring practice really starting to ramp up here. And first, we'll head over to Minnesota, where running back Trayson Potts is surprisingly transferring out, uh, which probably leaves Western Michigan transfer Sean Tyler as a lucky successor there. But um, as a relatively small guy, there are a lot of people out there that are kind of saying keep an eye on Zach Evans, who was a freshman uh, from last year's class, who could maybe see some more time this year, kind of hits those thresholds we want to see a little bit more. Uh, we got some injury updates coming out of LSU with uh, tight end Mason Taylor. He's going to be out for this spring. Um, he's a guy who saw a little bit of a breakout at the end of the year. Um, was probably going to be relied on for a, a pretty good pass catcher this year. So hopefully it's not anything too serious. Um, they also have like four running backs out this spring, including LSU, uh, including running back John Emery, who is once again dealing with academic issues, the same ones that have been plaguing him for three years now. So I don't believe the story that it was some kind of uh, – uh, uh, technicality or something like that that really got him academically academically ineligible last year it looks like this guy has been struggling academically and uh i wish you the best if you're still believing in him heading over to fsu now uh we got running back trey benson he's up to 221 pounds he's my trendy pick to be like the the kendry miller of this year we also have a sleeper favorite of c2c uh freshman wide receiver vandrevious jacob seems to be making more splash uh splashy plays uh than the other highly rated freshman wide receiver there hikeem williams um although i think we kind of expect hikeem williams to be a little bit more on the raw side um but uh, yeah that's kind of nice to see there over at, at arkansas we have running back rocket sanders he's all the way up to 236 which i don't know how much i love that um but hopefully he's carrying it well and then we also have two second year players uh wide receiver samuel mbake and isaiah Sategna. they are actually leading the wide receiver room early on in spring right now so two players to kind of keep an eye on uh on to your miami hurricanes uh where they're talking uh-huh, a lot about <laughs> where they're talking a lot of what our boy colby young um him jacoby george and xavier rest Repo uh, in the slot are leading the wide receiver room right now. Colby in particular has apparently killed it this offseason. Um, he was a workout warrior. He cut down a lot on his body fat. Uh, he's looking like he's opening up as Miami's ex receiver this spring. And some bad news also coming out of Miami. 247 Sports is reporting that Trevante Citizen had a setback on his knee after the 2022 season. I couldn't find any other details on it. Um, but it could mean that we aren't seeing Trevante Citizen anytime soon, depending on how serious that setback was. Um, heading over to Cal, where quarterback Sam Jackson, who was a little bit trendy last year, uh, a freshman at TCU, transferred over to Cal now. He's making waves as the potential new starting quarterback um, for, for the Cal Bears uh, this year. Him and three starting uh, wide receivers, including your guy, Jeremiah Hunter, and running back Jaden Ott, have all been living together in like some housing experiment to attempt to build chemistry going into the season. So Mm. it could be an interesting uh, situation there. And then heading over to Auburn, uh, where I just want to give some props to your guy that you called out last year, Camden Brown. He is running with the first team right now um, with the wide receiver group. So there's a guy to keep an eye on there. If you guys want any more spring news, be sure to keep it locked on the CGC podcast and YouTube channels uh, and check out our very own Matt Bruning as he keeps you up to date with his spring reports. Um, and be sure to head over to campuscanton.com and become a member today if you aren't already. We've already rolled out the one-of-a-kind freshman supplemental guide. Um, we have the Devi and CFF guides coming your way this offseason. There's loads of off-season content over there covering the draft in the spring so get over there now and become a member and get the leg up on all your league mates
All right, let's roll into these player profiles. We're going to start off with – we're doing two-hour receivers today. No tight ends. Sorry, guys. We we got to roll that back a little bit. <laughs> but we will be talking about Marvin Mims and Jalen Hyatt. But let's start off with Marvin Mims first here. Oklahoma Sooners, 5'11", 183 pounds, just waiting at the combine. 54 receptions for 1,083 yards and six touchdowns. Uh, I noticed Corey wrote down their athletic testing from the combine, which I care less <laughs> about. So, Corey, you can read those off when you got to talk about them. But I don't care about that. I care about the on-field athletics. I care about what's on the tape. So I'm going to get into it about what I see about him on the tape. First off, mm-hmm. 38% of his targets came from 20-plus down, yards down downfield. So he's he's a field stretcher. He's a deep threat, uh, which is fine. And he ran fast at the combine. Corey will tell you just how fast later. I don't think he's that fast. Like when I watch him on tape, he's just not. I think he has some very excellent ball skills, like great ball tracking, great body control. Definitely makes some nice circus catches. He he plays bigger than his size, but again, that's just the college level. I don't think it's going to matter at the NFL level. And if he can't separate on the field, because I don't really see too much separation, he's not much of a route runner. I, I don't think he's going to. I don't think his skill set is translatable to the NFL. Uh, even if he does draft capital, let's say he goes in the third. That's the way some people are saying nowadays. I'm probably not going to believe in him. I'm still going to, I'm going to let somebody else draft him over me. I do understand he hit some analytical markers, thousand yard receiver, all that. And also at his interview process for the combine, they asked him about route running and he said um, that he can do that and coaches didn't ask him for it. That was him, right? Corey, or was that Jalen Hyatt that said that? I'm actually not sure who that was, to be honest okay. with you. I, I can't um, remember that. Yeah. I'm going to continue on the assumption that was Marvin Mims and say, I don't care that he said that. Cause again, I didn't see it on film. You know, every wide receiver is going to say stuff at the interviews that makes them sound better than they are. Uh, so player speech instead of coach speak, but Marvin Mims undersized field stretcher with elite ball skills, but as like an Allen field athlete, I think he's very average. Uh, and then when they're average and they're his sides, I just don't care. I don't really care at all. I'm sh- I'm sure he can be the next two, two at well. <laughs> yeah, I think we've talked before how we've been a little bit down on Mims, uh, like over the years. Um, kind kind of like lacks a trait that really pops off on the tape when you're watching it. You know, like out, outside of uh, of the the body control and the ball tracking ability that you kind of alluded to already. So I I was actually pretty surprised when he tested as the four point three uh, athlete that he is at the at the combine because I'm not sure that that speed really came through on the tape every time. Um, he had like a hip defender, uh, a, a defender in his hip. I mean, like more than I expected for, for a wide receiver with his athletic profile, at least, um, he did improve, uh, this year in a lot of, a lot of facets of his game. I always kind of harped on him for not being like that dynamic of a runner in the open field. Um, uh, but he created more yak this year to his credit. Um, he averaged the fourth most per reception in the big 12, um, after being near the bottom, uh, for his first two seasons for seven missed tackles this year, which isn't that crazy. All right. But, um, he only forced six through his first two seasons. So that was an improvement already right there. He became a lot more consistent as well. He was a guy who would disappear at times during his first two seasons. His stats really boosted by a few big games this season. He only had four games under 70 yards. So he was pretty consistent this season. So I have to give him credit for some of the improvement that he had across the board. Um, I still just wish I saw a little bit more separation from him, a little bit more twitchiness in the way he plays a little more of that athletic testing that he had like translating to the field a little bit more so as of today i have him at wide receiver 10 we'll see what happens with draft capital because I, I like i don't know about you but i'm not sure there's like a receiver um who's tested as well as marvin mims um that seems to have like no buzz around him at all i mean he finally he finally raised up a little bit in the mock draft database he's still protected as like a late-ish third round pick at this time 
So we'll see what happens or whatever, but there's like no buzz about this guy at all. So we'll see what happens, but has not been someone that I've loved to like his, his entire career. He had a lot of buzz last. People were saying he's like a first rounder last year. I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. And it, 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 it completely fell off now for some reason. Like he's, he's had like no buzz this off season for some reason. Yeah. Good. Not <laughs> not <laughs> uh, let's go on to Jalen Hyatt. Somebody with too much buzz, but <laughs> six foot 176. <laughs> Uh, Blitnikoff winner, 67 receptions for 1,267 yards and 15 touchdowns. Five of those came from Alabama. That was a tough game to watch. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I don't care about his athletic testing, but I will say this. He did come in much slower than we all predicted he would come in. Now, he's not slow. We just all thought he was a 4-3 guy, not a 4-4 guy. Uh, so that was interesting. And he is a field stretcher. And I do uh, – we talk about how certain receivers have certain roles. Like not everyone's going to be a versatile route running outside that can be moved around X or the slot. Some guys are just really good at their one job. Will Fuller was an excellent field stretcher. I think Tyler Lockett's a little bit one-dimensional too. He's also excellent. He's fantasy relevant. So there are guys that are just, you know, locked into their one-dimensional game, but they're the best at it. So, and it works for fantasy. Um, and there's chemistry with the quarterback, all that stuff. But anyway, Jalen Hyatt, though, is is just a field stretcher to me. I think he just has elite speed. He didn't. He only played one snap against press coverage. Uh, free releases every single game. If you watch any of his games, it's it's free releases. There's no real route running in there. There's no real footwork. Um, he's just the third guy off the line waiting for the other two guys to draw off coverage, and then he just hits the hole. He just finds the hole and just runs a straight line uh, very fast. <laughs> and then And then I think he's got – good hands but i mean when you're uncovered that's not too hard to have good hands so um <laughs> that's jalen hyatt but i i do say i do think with his athletic testing and his his accolades from this past season i think he's guaranteed second round draft capital at the worst i i see pj pushing first round or discord i'm not really sure if i believe that but i believe his skill set is more of a day three type of guy so uh jalen hyatt feels pressure yeah, it's funny because we were just talking about Marvin Mims, who actually ended up testing faster than Jalen Hyatt did. And I thought Jalen Hyatt looked like the faster, like more of a deep threat on game-breaking speed on, on film than Marvin Mims did. So it's weird. It's kind of another example of like testing doesn't always play out on the field because Jalen Hyatt, I think a lot of people would say, plays faster than Marvin Mims does and gets more separation down the field than Mims does. So that's kind of an interesting thing. That- thing there because like with him like the speed really does jump off the field i think this guy was uh, a track star um ran a 4.4 flat at the combine um there was people that thought he could be in the four twos four threes so maybe he had a bad run i don't know um was a guy who had a monster season for tennessee this year catching deep bomb after deep bomb he showed off pretty decent hands he plucked the, the ball out of the air on multiple occasions there just wasn't a lot of a dynamic usage in his route tree aside aside from the go balls um he ran some crossing patterns where he could use his speed to kind of outrun guys uh they, they threw him screen passes which i didn't think he was incredibly dynamic on but they worked in his favor sometimes he was given a lot of t- uh, uh, free releases like you said he ran out of the slot a lot of teams trying to respect his speed playing off coverage but honestly like if you don't disrupt him in some way he's going to blow right by you and i'm interested to see how he'll deal with it after not playing much his first two seasons and then really getting no um, no disruption at the line while he was playing at Tennessee. So I'm interested to see how he can play with that. He came in a lot smaller than we expected to. He's 176 foot. That's kind of slender for his size. Studying his profile kind of gave me some shades of like Nicole Harmon 
from from Georgia. You know, another straight line yeah, speed yeah, guy yeah. who maybe isn't the shiftiest in like the open field, but has that speed to him. There's a place for these types in the NFL um, and the role within offense. It's pretty highly valued nowadays. It just doesn't mean that they're going to be a high value volume pass catcher for like fantasy purposes. But, you know, they can clear out like the defense. Um, they can open up the field for different targets. Um, and like the defense just has to plan differently when you're facing that type of speed and that that type of threat to get deep. So I think he's going to get the draft capital, like you were saying, um, which means he's going to get the opportunity. And that's good enough to land him at least at nine in my wide receiver rankings right, right now. I just don't know if the volume is going to be there. And I feel like his profile kind of has like the makings of like a boom bust prospect at the next level. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. So I, I think, you know, he'll draw that coverage from the safety you know, when he gets mm-hmm. deep, you know. Uh, he's gonna be a better NFL asset than a fantasy asset. Um, I, I think you kind of nailed it. Boom bust. Like you might, you know, you might, but you, know, you might get open one game, catch that, that long 50 yard touchdown yeah. uh, here and there. So I, I think you nailed it there. Um, but yeah. All right. So that's, that's it. That's it for our player profiles. Uh, he's also, by the way, at my 10, you said you're, he's at nine for you. He's at 10 for me. Nine. So yeah. In the same yeah, neighborhood. So. Yeah. Well, I've seen him going like the late second round for rookie drafts. I think that's fine. Well, these guys are early declares. Uh, they both have great analytical profiles. You might not like they weren't productive early, but for the most part, they have both these guys have good analytical profiles. So yeah, numbers guys will tell you that they're higher than than most on them. Uh, but yeah, let's get all right. Let's get into it. Let's get into positional battles. Uh, we're gonna go by position here uh, and try to determine the starters, but also just give our opinion on who we like more in the Debbie purpose Debbie sense. Uh, some of these may not be battles, uh, more of a realm of which would you rather. And we'll, we'll get more into that because, again, as we just talked about, about positions being different. So, like, for wide receivers, not all wide receivers are going to be the same position. But we'll get You guys will see. Tr- just trust me. You guys will see what I'm talking about when we get to it. Uh, but let's start off with QBs. Uh, first off, Corey, I do want to get into uh, the fake news out there, the BS QB battles. I know someone um, – I follow his account. It's a great account, but he like posted the graphic of like 50 QB battles. And it's just like, you know, <laughs> yeah, 80% of I those know. are just straight cap. They're just straight lies. Like Drew Aller's not in the, in the quarterback battle. Get that shit out of here. Yeah. Um, but uh, there's, there is some reports now out and I just want to run through like, Corey, just give me one of you think is just fake news. You just don't believe there's actually a quarterback battle going on. I mean, the first one that comes to mind for me is obviously going to be over at Texas where they're talking about Quinn Ewers being in a, in a battle with Arch Manning right now. Like this is absolutely fake news. Um, I really think Ewers could probably have a strong bounce back here. You know, after it, people really don't give him enough credit for essentially not playing football for two years, then starting last year and everybody expecting it to be perfect based on his level of recruitment. Like now that he's had a, a year off had really being able to focus, build in this system. Now, maybe he can really grow in this system and kind of become the guy that we thought he was going to go. Um, and then on Arch's side, you know, we've talked about level of competition in high school. He's going to need a bit of a transition period. The, Texas also, if you'll remember, did a similar thing with Hudson Card uh, like a year ago as well with Ewers. Uh, so, you know, I fully expect Ewers to be the guy. Um, and in Debbie purposes, I would take Ewers first as well over Manning. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I know Matt and his screen reports have also been dispelling this. You said this last week for our news about what was really said at the uh, press conference. But I'm with you. I'm going to head on over to a Debbie debate favorite. Uh, Colin Schley versus Dante Moore. Look, I just don't believe, I don't believe for a minute any <laughs> freshman quarterback has an actual chance of starting over like a fourth, fifth year quarterback, especially when they just transferred in. And I, and I get that he came, he was, he, they got the commitment after Slee came in, but I just don't believe it, dude. We just watched um, Penn State, man. Who's the, who's the terrible quarterback there? Coach, Coach Frank Clifford. 
Sean, yeah, we just watched Sean Clifford play an entire season. I mean, that was – dude, I just want to claw my eyeballs out. And then we watched DJU fumble the ball all year too until Kate Clubney came in. Like that that was just so painful to watch. And there's no way coaches aren't looking at that also being in pain. Like, there's no way they could look at those players and like this is good football. So, so um, I just don't believe freshmen can start. Not until these COVID eligibility guys get out of here. All these six-year quarterbacks, get them out of here. Like hopefully next year we can clean this, this stuff up. But it's just it's just so rare for freshman quarterbacks to start these last couple of years. I mean, I think, yeah, I think there's like only like a handful, like five or 10. They only really get to start because of injuries or because teams are out of the playoffs or whatever. Yeah. So I, I am, I, I am 100% thinking sleeve starts and it's his job until, until they lose. I will say that, um, you know, based on like their bodies of work, like, like you were saying, like seeing a guy play over like a five-year start or something like that, like, Colin Schley doesn't have a lot to his credit either. He played one, he started one season last year for Kent State, was injured a bunch of the time too, showed some flashes here or there. You know, I wouldn't say like he's guaranteed the job, I guess I would say. I'm going to ask you a question, okay? Okay. You know, I know how you like to say this already. Do you know the last freshman quarterback to start for Chip Kelly was? No. Dorian Thompson Robinson. He started from like week one. Like he week started one from starting. week one as a freshman. And that was Chip Kelly's first year back from the NFL after the Eagles. He hitched himself to a freshman quarterback who admittedly had a very rough year that year. <laughs> he, I think he even swapped playing time with another guy down the stretch. But he hitched himself to him very early on. Um, I will also say, I know it's not the exact same, okay, but his last year in college with Oregon before he joined the Eagles, he hitched himself to a redshirt quarterback with no in-game experience by the name of Marcus Mariota in 2012 before he went on to the next year. So I'm just saying he has a history of kind of hitching himself to these young guys. It's not out of the realm of possibility. Dante Moore comes in as one of the more polished, one of the more experienced, one of the more field-ready quarterbacks of this class. And I wouldn't count him out for week one. Like, I don't think I'm counting him out for week one. Either way, like, Debbie purposes aside, besides who start weeks one, Dante Moore is the guy you want. He's the guy that I really want. He's my quarterback, two of this class. Like, he's, Absolutely. I think, I think he's dynamite. Um, And I'm not counting him out for week one. So I don't know if this is fake news or not. Okay, well, poo-poo on you, all right? I mean, I can't, I can't <laughs> come back to that. <laughs> yeah, that was a good argument. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so in more faker news, uh, Sam Hartman is not battling with Tyler Buckner. I, he got benched. No, he's not. He got benched, and and they brought in Sam Hartman. There's no battle there. Um, we, I, me and you talked. We were both surprised that Buckner did not go into the portal after his his bowl game. We thought that was like a, you know his transfer game. Um, so I don't know what he's doing there, especially with Minchie coming in. So I think this is fake news too. I, when these quarterbacks get benched for somebody else and they bring in. Like, you know, they bring in someone to take it over. There's no QB battle there. I just don't believe that, especially when you got benched. So, fake news. Do yeah. you agree there, Corey? You're going to come yes. in? Yes. No, me, no. Yeah. I, I agree with you there. Hartman, um, one of the more prolific passers in the, in, in over the last couple of years. Buckner, pretty erratic when he finally got his chance to start this year. Didn't read the field well. Um, tried to run on his, his legs too much. Really frantic when he had to go through his progression. So it would be a bit a surprise to me to see him uh, win the job. Probably a transfer candidate. I do, did want to ask you this, though. If you had to choose one right now, who do you like more in Debbie? I think, like, I, I'll explain a little bit first. I, like, I think it's safe to say that we like Hartman as a college quarterback better. 
But does he have like the physical traits that we like? Doesn't provide any rushing upside. Doesn't really stand out physically. Or you've got Buckner, who's a highly ranked kid, has arm talent, has upside. He's just a mess everywhere else, right? Bit more of a project yeah. entering his third year. So who would you choose if you were choosing one? Um, oh man, I think Hartman. I think I choose Hartman, even though I think Hartman's more like a a day three QB, like a like a yeah. Like a, but I, I see Buckner transferring like way down. It's not like he goes to like. You think it's like, like, an, like an ACC school? Yeah, I think he goes like the G five. I think he goes like way down. Yeah, Stay like I, 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 I kind of follow that. That thought. like I think Hartman is just like a competent like backup level quarterback. Maybe he could be like yeah. Gardner Minshew, like the Heineke's, like the Nick Mullen types of the world or whatever. So I think if you want to grab somebody who probably makes it to the NFL in like some capacity. Hartman is like your safe choice, but I think there's like a realm. If you want to bet on upside, see if somebody can unlock him or whatever yeah. happens to him, can put the tools together that you could go with Buckner here as well. Um, doesn't come without any risk, obviously, but I mean, I mean, you could take the chance there. I think. Yeah. I think you know that there, uh, thanks for not just doing another, seeing another murder on, on live show. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Uh, yeah. We'll just edit out the whole consciously Dante Moore thing. Right. Yeah, oh yeah, I'll cut that out for you. No problem. All right. <laughs> Let's go into the actual QB battles now. Let's start off with Jalen Milrow versus Ty Simpson. Uh, two Alabama quarterbacks here. Milrow got all the playing time uh, when Alabama was up last year. So when they brought him in just to get some more practice in, uh, he looked terrible uh, straight up. Didn't look good uh, even like a little bit. So um, early betting odds had Ty Simpson higher for the Heisman than Jalen Milrow, which led us to believe that he's probably that people in Vegas also believe that. Simpson would be the starter come uh, come start of the season, but uh, those odds have been adjusted, so uh, a little bit of mystery there. And I can't wait for the camp news to come out from Matt Bruning or from you. But this is a real battle here. I, who who do you think starts week one? Yeah, I'll be honest. I I think Millero comes in with the upper hand here. Just because it's not like it's not very often that we've seen the the veteran quarterback who's been in the BAM system, not just somebody who transferred in is older or whatever, has more experience, get jumped by the younger quarterback, at least like, like in recent years, like we had um, Bryce had to wait his turn behind Mac Jones. Uh, Tua waited behind Jalen Hurts, who it was not the same quarterback that we see today. Okay. He was not at that great of a quarterback uh, back in the time or whatever. And Tua had to wait all the way to like, I think that remember he took over in like the second half of that championship game, then became the starter the next year, but he still had to wait. Um, so I think that Milro probably comes in, starts week one. I don't know if he's that bad of a prospect. We've never really gotten to see him long-term and like, like he didn't play that bad in his one start this year. Some people like to harp on him or whatever, but it, 63% completion percentage threw three touchdowns, had one interception, um, didn't throw for a bunch of yards. I think it was only like 120 yards. Okay. And that's oh. the biggest question is how consistent he can be as a passer, but he did account for 81 yards on the ground. The whole team kind of shifted to like a very run heavy attack. Gibbs went off like 160 yards in that game as well. So I think all he has to really do to maintain the starting position is just don't make big mistakes. Take the opportunities when they come. Um, it could be like a more run heavy offense, kind of like when they had Hertz and Damien Harris and, and Najee was there and, and Jacobs was there. Like maybe that's kind of more the offense or whatever. Um, I just, you know, I think he, I do think he's interesting. I'm not ready to like 
say he's not interesting. He's like he's mobile. He's got a big arm. Um, and I just wanted to fight his case a little bit because I think that some people are writing him off a little bit too too quickly. But I mean, I will. I have to end it by saying that I do think that Simpson is the is a lot more interesting. There's there's a reason he's going higher. He was the higher rated prospect, probably a more more precise passer, a little bit of a gunslinger. Um, a little more upside probably once he fills out his frame a little bit, comes more comfortable. And, and he's going rightfully a lot earlier than Milrow, which which is the decision I would make as well. I just, I don't think it's a bad idea to take a shot on Milrow late in your drafts. I think he's got interesting traits and a strong season at Bama means that nothing is off the table for him. I mean, we saw it with Mac Jones and stuff like that. Nobody liked Mac Jones going into that year. Yeah, I've got to bring that up. Same, yeah. same storyline. Everyone was off. It is. Until the season yeah. started. I, yeah, I don't know. I still just don't think. I just, I just think he's got it. I just don't, but I, I do agree with you. I do think he starts week one. I'm with you on that. I'm looking yeah. at the schedule right now, middle of Tennessee, who was upsetting everybody last year, a little scary. Yeah. And they go into Texas uh, week two, which was exciting last year until um, Quinn got hurt, but that's actually kind of a hot start, like to a schedule, like th- those could be two exciting games. And then they have South, South Florida, who cares? But anyway, yeah. Yeah, so it's not like they'll have a weak lineup and they can throw in Ty Simpson week one, but it's, yeah. So I'm with you. I think Milrow does start. It's his job to lose, uh, but it's a thin it's a thin leash, very short leash, yeah. thin line. I'd agree with that. It's about making the big mistake, and if he can kind of at least manage the offense like Hurts kind of used to do, I kind of I think he can maintain this longer than a lot of people think he can. Yeah, I think you kind of call it too. I think this might be more of a run-heavy focus because uh, mm-hmm. I know me and you are not high on the pass catchers there at Alabama either. That would yeah. make sense being a tandem between um, Chase, uh, Jam Miller. Maybe we see a little bit of Justice Haynes in there, but yeah, we have very run-heavy offense. I like that. Uh, let's go on to the next one. Let's talk about Devin Brown versus Kyle McCord. Uh, I'm actually all for Kyle McCord here. Um, Devin mm-hmm. Brown changed his number to 33. I, heard, I know there's a story <laughs> behind it, but I just, I just, I don't know, man. That's a little weird. It's, uh, um, isn't it Sammy Baugh? I'm pretty sure it's Sammy Baugh, the old quarterback. I think it was Cleveland Browns quarterback. First quarterback in the yeah. Hall of Fame. I think it's yes. what it is. Yeah. That's why he yeah. asked what it was. Oh, his inspiration. Uh, I'm sure he thought he did something there. But anyway, Kyle McCord, <laughs> Kyle McCord, uh, he looked good in his little flashes here and there last year. Uh, and he's looked good in his like one or two starts the year before too, when he played. So I, I do think it's Kyle McCord's field. If he plays well too, uh, this also includes, um, well, if Quinn yours, but I think these two guys could be in line for first round draft capital. I mean, it's, it's Ohio State. You just need one good year. So uh, we will, we will see. But I, I think it's Kyle McCord's. Yeah, I, I, to start, I was pretty locked in as Devin Brown as a potential guy, at least you know from last year going in through the season. Um, just a guy I was super impressed with with the arm talent. Uh, even in the spring game last year when he got to play, really showed some nice stuff. I thought, um, but you know, with some of the stuff I've been reading, some of the stuff Matt continues to say as well. He's been pushing a lot of stuff in our chats as well. I'm kind of sliding over to McCord a little bit as well. Um, I'm still not overly wowed by anything I've seen from McCord. I mean, there hasn't been a large sample to work off of. Um, he's looked solid whenever I've seen him. I just haven't seen many instances of like tight window throws, how he fares against pressure, you know, et cetera. I, this wasn't really a guy I dove into as a freshman a lot as well. So maybe some of my bias is coming from my my analysis of, of Devin Brown as a freshman as well. But um I, I've still personally been been siding with the higher rank guy when when the when the chance comes. I haven't taken a lot of McCord shares in mocks and stuff like that. Um, there's a lot of stuff that points to McCord being the guy though, and maybe even you know similar to Alabama situation where I think there might be some more upside in Devin Brown. 
Um, I think they're going to go with the more seasoned vet. I think two years in the system now. Um, I don't think he'll be bad either. You know, one good season at Ohio State could do a lot for you. Um, so I, I have I raised McCord up. I have him just slightly behind Brown in my rankings. I do think there's a little more NFL upside there, um, which was a huge move up from like the 20s, the late 20s, I think, back in the uh, a few months ago. So I do I do still 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 say there's more upside in Brown, and, and I I prefer to target him in Devi, but I do think McCord starts this year. I'm not sure who I target in Debbie. I know I got, I got Devin Brown ranked higher, so I guess that's who I would target. But uh, I yeah. do want to say this for uh, Common Court stats last year for his limited playing, limit, very limited playing time. 16 for 20, so 80% completion rate, 190 yards and one touchdown. Most of the stuff is very short, close to the line of scrimmage. Uh, he did have one deep bomb for 72 yards and a touchdown against Toledo. But again, everything was very kept short. So I wonder how his deep ball looks. I'm actually pretty curious now. But uh mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's his job to lose, in my opinion. Uh, and one year probably gets me the NFL, honestly. So let's head on over to our next one. Let's talk about let's talk about Georgia. Georgia's mm-hmm. uh, quarterback room. They got a new OC. I forgot who it was. Corey Mike Bobo. Who's from? Uh, he's formerly from Georgia. I can't remember where he was after this, but I actually remember him because he used to be with Georgia a long time ago as well. So okay, returning yeah. home. Uh, no player loyalty. So Josh Beck, who did have the run similar to Kyle McCord towards the end of the year, you know, where he got to fill in here and there. There's no player loyalty here. There's no continuity here from, from coach to player. So I think this really opens up the competition here. Uh, our friend, uh, Jared Pomegrant, and hopefully listener, I actually have no idea if you listen to our show. But anyway, Jared, Jared uh, last year was was telling us, because he's got Georgia inside, he's Georgia, that Gunnar Stockton was getting some high praise uh, at in the summer camp. I remember in spring he looked pretty fu- pretty lost. Um, also, as a high school recruit, he was crushing um, Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence's like high school records. I think his profile is a little bit more closer to like Jackson Arnold coming in right now for Oklahoma. So mm-hmm. he's not really not really like a pocket passer type of player, um, but offers a lot more mobility on his legs. Anyway. Gunnar Stockton is my pick here. Uh, but who do you think is going to be? Gunnar Stockton, Carson Beck, or uh, I think a Felix favorite and Brock Vandergriff? I think that was a Felix guy. <laughs> yeah, like I think I think the prevailing thought, at least early on from what I'm reading, is Carson Beck is the guy there for now. Um, looked good as a backup last year. Uh, strong spring last year as well. Looked fine in mop-up duty this year too, which is really all we've seen him do. We haven't really seen him start a game yet. Um, I do remember um, Jared as well last year, you know, with the reports that Stockton was pushing him last year in spring. Um, you know, he has some inside sources that, that he kind of talks to inside the building there. But now I will say all of a sudden, um, today was the first day that Georgia opened up spring practice. Um, and after not hearing Vandegrift's name at all last year, um, Kirby went out of his way to single out the competition as Carson versus Brock. He didn't even mention Stockton in that, in that sentence. He says those two are going to be splitting the reps with the, with the first team. Um, he did give Stockton some love after, you know, maybe just some coach speak, making sure he gives the third quarterback some love. But according to reports, at least entering spring now, it looks like it's Carson versus Brock right now, which I do kind of side um, with, with Carson, I guess, as the starter there. Um, I think like, I remember Todd Monken before he left this team, he, he, he was telling boosters um, that he thought he had like three NFL talents on his quarterback room and that none of them were going to be decided until the end of spring, that nobody was going to be decided. Now he's moved on. I don't know what Mike Bobo's kind of thought is on it right now, um, but it, it 
might we might not really get an answer till the end of spring until we kind of see things shake out. I kind of really do think this is more open than than some people think. I think Carson Beck comes in um, with the keys right now. We'll see kind of how he goes. When it comes to Devi, I think you know. As the depth chart reads today, I might like it the opposite. Stockton's probably my favorite for a lot of the reasons, kind of like you said um, as well. He might have to wait for a shot, but I think he's the upside. Good size, uh, good arm, fairly mobile as well. I think he has more of the complete skill set if he refines his game a little bit. Vandegrift, to his credit, former five-star, maybe the most mobile of the three, um, has decent athletic testing numbers as well, but maybe doesn't have the same type of arm that the others do. And Beck is just really a guy that hasn't really stood out in any kind of way for, for Debbie purposes and not a guy that I'm kind of buying into right now. I, I do think he's the starter this year, but I think I'm taking a shot at one of the other two in Debbie. I'm t- I think I'm going hot here. I think it's Carson. I think it's, um, sorry, Gunnar Stockton going to start the year. I really do. I'd love it. Honestly, I would love it because I actually have him ranked the highest out of the three as well. So I was surprised when when he singled out Brock there as a guy. Maybe he's taken some really big positive steps in the offseason and kind of gained uh, a reputation for himself. But uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure where this is headed, to be honest with you. I don't think he wants him to transfer out. I think, you know, these coaches like their depth. They don't want. Yeah, that's also that, that is a good point. That is a good point. Yeah, I, I just think I do. I really do think Stockton offers more with his legs and being a typically run heavy team i think he can mm-hmm. he can offer another dimension to that that you know that said that Bennett was provi- provided for them last year yeah uh, which is something that they said a lot of the reason they went with stetson originally when everybody was running where jt daniels was a lot of them were talking about stetson added that legs those legs minute. like he scored like 11 touchdowns on the ground last year he was actually like pretty good with his legs here and there so there's like a random play where he started burning people down the middle out of yeah <laughs> stetson oh, yeah. bennett fourth round pick in the nfl yeah. Uh, okay. So similar to Kyle McCoy, I just want to read off Carson Beck's uh, spot starts. 25 completions on 34 attempts for 292 yards and three touchdowns. That is a 73.5% completion rate. Uh, also threw the ball much deeper than Kyle McCord did. So he's a little more variety. Uh, most of his snaps came against Vanderbilt, though. Uh, 11 of his attempts did. And he moved the ball much better than Will Levis could. And Bill Levis is a first-round talent, apparently. So maybe Carson Beck yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> you can say that for anybody. But anyway, uh, let's get on to Jackson Dart versus Spencer Sanders. Spencer Sanders transfer brought in uh, late fifth year. One year of eligibility left. Comes into Ole Miss. Uh, Ole Miss is now seeking a second year of QB competition against Jackson Dart. He just hasn't proven himself yet, I guess, to them. Um, yes, yeah. There was speculation about well, it's got to be Spencer Sanders' role. He's a fifth year. He's got one year of eligibility. Like promises had to be made from the transfer in there. Spencer Sanders came out and dispelled those rumors himself. He said, "I was promised nothing. This is where I wanted to go." So I, I kind, I really do actually believe him on that. I do believe him on that. I do think this is a another QB battle. He just beat Luke Altmaier, and now he's got to beat Spencer Sanders. Um, but Corey, give me who you think starts the year: Jackson Dart or Spencer Sanders? Yeah, I, I'm. You know, I was kind of iffy on this one because I thought, you know, with him coming in, like, why would this this last year of eligibility guy who's played pretty well in college um, come here and not really want to get started? But then there was the, also the rumblings that he tried to return to Oklahoma State. Uh, Mike Gundy didn't want him at all anymore. He kind of held it against him for wanting to transfer in the first place. So he was kind of forced to find a new place. Maybe it was kind of late in the game. He didn't really know where he wanted to go. Ole Miss might have just popped up. I think Altmaier is also gone, right? Altmaier transferred out, so they needed That's some right. guys there. Um, so, you know, maybe uh, maybe he wasn't promised anything, and it, it, it's still just kind of weird. It, it definitely raises some flags for me. You know, like like if Jackson Dart does lose, lose a job, 
like he could plummet down rankings after this. But you know, and I've been I've been kind of critical of Jackson Dart a little bit. I've been looking at him a little bit, you know, especially you know looking at Zach Evans film and stuff. I thought he was pretty bad at times this year with mechanics kind of all over the place. But he kind of just strikes me as like a gunslinger. Like that's that's really what it was. Like like his mechanics are kind of all over the place, but he's not afraid to whip that thing all over. Like highest big time throw percentage in the SEC according to PFF. Third highest A dot. So he was running throwing that ball downfield, but second most interceptions and just like lives off the arm talent, right? Like that sometimes the legs aren't connected or anything like that. He's just whipping the thing all over the place right there. So I, I still kind of like a lot of the things he brings to the table. So I'm still siding with him. Obviously if it's, if it's for Debbie, he's the guy I want. He, he checks off more boxes in that sense, size, um, arm talent, everything like that, more upside. Um, but I am starting to, to at least come around to the fact that I think Jack and Dart could possibly start this year. Um, it doesn't come without risk thinking of that process, but I'm coming around to the thought of it. Whereas originally I thought, I thought Spencer was coming to steal his job. Yeah, I'm with you there. Everything you just said, like, same for me. I do want to ask, do you know, do you have your rankings pulled up? Do you know where he's at for you right now? I, I mean, Ooh, he's, he's been dropping for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. We'll pull it up quick. You can move on to the next one there. <sighs> Let me just say mine real quick. I got him at 39, bro. Yeah, you you have him pretty low. I know that. Jackson Dart, I have at 21. So, so it's like, he's, he's dropped a little bit for sure, but I mean, the name's after him and under him. Like, it's hard to, it's hard to think. Like I got Devin Leary is here. I got Kevin, Kevin Minchie from Notre Dame is around here. Lincoln Kineholz is around here. Jalen Milrow is around here. Like just, it's, it's weird names. It drops off really fast for quarterback. I feel like. Oh, same, same. All right, let's get on to it. Let's get on to uh, our last one here for quarterbacks. Jaden Daniels versus Garrett Nussmeyer. I want to start off with this one first because Corey wanted to delete this one off the page. I'll tell you that. I actually <laughs> believe, I actually believe this is a real battle. Garrett Nussmeyer definitely opened up the playbook last year when he got to play. Like we saw a lot more deep balls, whereas I think Jane Daniels is all short area throws. And if he doesn't see his first read, it's like take off with your legs. Like so, I, I, mm-hmm. I do think Nussmeyer offers an element that Jalen doesn't, but also Jaylen, you know Garrett's not a scramble the way Jalen is. So I think they each have different skill sets. And I'm very interested to see which way Brian Kelly goes this year. Um, but I, I'm kind of rooting for Garrett Nussmeyer. I think this is a real quarterback competition. Corey, what do you why don't you tell people what you think it is? Are you taking him in a David draft over Jane Daniels? Um, yeah. I could I you yeah, are I, right? yes, yes, I am. Because I think Jaden Daniels is I don't think he ever plays football in the NFL. I don't know what Garrett Nussmeyer does. So I, I guess I'm taking the more of a mystery box here. Um, yeah, but the I guess. Is, like, you should probably take neither. You should probably just take neither. Like, I think Jaden has some interesting traits. Like, a lot of people really liked him in that freshman season. Like, you know, like very a lot of mobility, um, very easy arm strength. He just hasn't really improved much from that. Season. Yeah, he hasn't like, developed at all. Yeah, um, he's still super skinny. Uh, hopefully, Nico can develop. But anyway, Jaden's super skinny, and then um. I don't know about arm strength either. I don't really see the arm strength personally. Um, yeah, he used to, he had like that easy like it it was like the Mike Vip, Vic whip of the wrist. Like he had it at this first season in ASU. I still think he has that. He just he just become a very safe quarterback though. You were talking about it as well though. He just he doesn't push the envelope very much. Um like mm-hmm. like for instance, PFF 0.06% turnover worthy throws. It was best in the SEC by far. Didn't even get 1.06. Only three interceptions as well. Um, this year also was his highest yardage mark in passing and rushing, but he's very safe. One of the lower big time worthy th- uh, throw percentages in the league. Second lowest ADOT as well. So almost the anti Jackson Dart that we just talked about 
beforehand, like who's a bit a little bit more of a gunslinger, who's not afraid to whip it down. This guy just wasn't doing that. It was a lot of short stuff. So I do kind of question his ceiling beyond this point. We haven't seen him take that 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 next step um, as a quarterback. And with Nuss, like uh, with Nuss Meyer, like you were talking about, he is getting very positive reports, um, even at a spring practice right now. It could just be a little bit of coach speak, but the quote I saw was one of the coaches saying it's getting hard to find reasons to keep him off the field, which makes a lot of sense. You know, like he's flashed at times. He's had some down moments as well. Um, you know, like I remember that one game against like uh, that SWAC team. Um, I can't remember the name of the team, but whatever. He, they, they played in the SWAC. He threw like two interceptions, um, zero touchdowns, like 50% of his passes, not very good. And then against Georgia, he throws 300 yards, two touchdowns and one interception. So it's like, he has these flashes and stuff like that. I just, it's hard to get a read on him. I think I'm still taking Jaden first in a Debbie draft because I think he has some interesting tools that maybe he can, someone can get out of him at the next level. Um, but I, I can't really fight you on, on Nuss if you want to take that. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I, I'm not trying to be high just to be high. I do. I really do think it's Jaden Daniels job. I mean, they won way more games than they're supposed to last year, in my opinion. Yeah. And the reason I, I didn't want to cut this out completely, I, I wanted to move to the section in the top at fake QB battles because I really news, don't yeah. think that he's going to to win the job coming out of camp. I don't really think it's a quarterback battle. Maybe if Daniel struggles, it's easy to pull the rope. Maybe there's a there's a thin rope there to get, to pull him out. But yeah, it's Jane Daniels for me. I think easily. All right, let's head on over to running back battles. Now the NFL certain running backs fill certain roles. Again, we, we're talking about roles here. Uh, like size dictates a lot of that. And the workhorse running back seems to be kind of an outdated term because nowadays when we talk about workhorse, we're talking about guys that have like 55, 60% of snaps, um, you know, and, and weight factors a lot into that. You're not going to run these little guys into the goal line. I know Austin Eckler did it, but like, it's not very common. You rather have the big beefier guys like fall forward, like two yards could be to get the touchdown rather than have your little guy get stuffed at the line or, or lose yards because they just lack power. But here at the college level, the size doesn't really matter nearly as much. I mean, these, these defenses are not as skilled. Um, these play callers may want to sprinkle in some some plays to keep defenses on their toes, like a midget at a urinal. Uh, they're just, you know, they don't need to be as restrictive about what running back plays, what, what role. But this is going to be some of those categories that are more like, who would you rather in Debbie? But we'll, we'll, we'll dictate those when we get to them. So let's go into an actual running back battle. And this is going to be, we're starting with Cal. We're going to talk about Jaden Knott versus transfer from Tennessee, true freshman. Well, was a true freshman. Justin Williams-Thomas. And then we got the Oregon transfer, Byron Cardwell. Corey, who do you like out of that trio? Yeah, I think it's I think I, it's eas- easily for me, I'm leaning towards Jaden Ott here. Um, it was tough to see all those guys go there. Um, after kind of had the promising season. So there is a little bit of risk here, but they, they also need to backfill some depth there. Um, but like looking at, at Ott's games, like he struggled as a rusher at times, you know, especially against like some tough competition, uh, only four games over 70 rushing yards. Um, and, and the numbers were like his overall finish was really boosted by like that 300 yard rushing game against Arizona who had the 124th ranked rushing defense. So it's not like it was like some big game where he destroyed some, some really good team, even though they were power five. Um, I, but I, I do have to give some credit to, to Ott. Um, the early reports coming out of spring are fully backing him right now. 
it doesn't make it, they don't make it seem like it's any kind of battle right now. Like I was talking about um, in the news with the California situation, he's in that house with all the starters right now where they're living, trying to build that group. So like they're, they're really moving forward, kind of putting their chips behind all right now. It seems like Byron Cardwell um, has been running as the running back two in the early portions of, of practice. Um, there's been no mention of uh, Justin Williams Thomas. Um, so I'm not sure how he's going to fit into the equation that year, but Byron Cardwell has been getting reps as a running back two. Um, so I am feeling pretty confident that it's going to be the starter, probably the guy that I'm going to take first as of now, then I'd probably be taking Cardwell before I took a shot on Thomas. Cause I'm not sure where Thomas fits in anymore, man. If he doesn't play anymore this year, we're looking at third year now. I know it doesn't matter as much for running backs, but these guys are also young. So if they pop, they return again. Then does Williams get playing tight? It's, it's a hard path to see for a guy that we liked as much. So, um, with Ott's struggles as a rusher, I do wonder if Cardwell could kind of get in there and flash a little bit, but, you know, kind of split it and hop on the Debbie radar a little bit, but I'm going with Ott here for now. Yeah, I like that. I, I am, I'm cutting out Justin Williams Thomas. If he doesn't get the field for the second year, I know you said like it doesn't matter as much for running back, but if you just yeah. do that on, on two teams, you know, like he doesn't do it mm-hmm. at Cal, it doesn't do it at Tennessee. I'm, I'm very much very out on him. Uh, I don't know but, why he he moved he went from Stanford. I really don't understand. That was a good situation for him there. Yeah, dude, I know it's, it's a head scratcher and better education too. You'd rather have education <laughs> at Stanford than Cal. Yeah. But uh, anyway, um, no offense to Cal people, obviously. Sorry, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but going on, uh, I, I'm with you. I think this could be a like one A one B. Byron Carwell could be like the short area yardage guy. Jay Nye gets the the between the twenties type of run, but. Jay, not for me, man. He's six foot, what was it, six foot 205 last year? I think so, yeah. It comes, he has good size to him. He's checking off a lot of those boxes, so he's not a bad yeah, Debbie a, prospect at all right now. Yeah. He's got a good frame, too. Like I think he can add some serious muscle mass and fix that, fix that power and just power through some of these some of these tackles. Yeah. I went through so, a weird thing with him where I lowered him in the offseason when, when first they were looking so hard for running backs. I was like, they don't like Jay not at all. And then like now some of these spring reports that are coming out kind of reinstilling my faith with him a little bit. So he's back where I kind of like him a little bit better. Somewhere I think my 20s, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I got him in 21. So I moved him down. Yeah. I think I had him like around the 12, 13, 14 area. I moved him down to 21. Yeah. Which is fine. All right, let's get on to our next one. Let's talk about uh, – let, let's go over to Georgia again. Let's talk about Kendall Milton versus Branson Robinson. Branson Robinson's the upcoming sophomore. He looked pretty good against TCU. He had no issue running the ball down the middle. Um, Kendall Milton, for me, is a running back that I think is a very one-dimensional. He's just an early down banger. He's just a – a power back and I don't think he's that good at being a power back. I think it's pretty pretty mediocre compared to the the power five power backs. I just I mean even in the SEC I don't think he's anything special. So I could see it probably won't, but I could see Georgia moving on to Branson Robinson because he'll probably be more effective. Definitely has uh he's just built better. I think he's got more lateral he can just do more. He can do more. He can do more. Mm-hmm. I really like Branson Robinson over Kendall Milton. I hope hey, Georgia's one of those programs where you gotta wait your turn. And this this might be like a rotation thing, but I, I hope that they give more run to Branson. Yeah, and for what it's worth, like I'm not cut it, counting out um, Dejon Edwards either. He was a pretty heavy part of this rotation as well. Like at, at least in terms of starting um, this year or, or being a heavy part of the rotation, he was really like the most trusted back down the stretch last year. At least that's like what it kind of felt like anyways. Kenny McIntosh kind of fell out of favor as a rusher a little bit, but um, I don't think he's anything special to be honest. Like um, he just plays well enough and doesn't make mistakes, which always resonates with, with Kirby over there. Um, so he's, he's always uh, holding him in high regard over there, but milk like over to Kendall Milton, like he's an interesting analysis this year. I think like he didn't take the starting job really last year when we all thought he was going to take it. 
um, got nicked up again, which has been the story of his his career as well. And then all of a sudden, down the stretch, he becomes Georgia's most efficient back and ended up accounting for nine touchdowns on the year, which was like second on the team. Like, I was surprised actually realizing how much better he was at that because I almost written him off halfway through the season. I was like, he's not the guy we thought he was. And then all of a sudden, he kind of shows these flashes again. It's always these flashes that Milton has given us uh, that's kept me and many others that I know at Believers for so long. Um, I have to say, obviously, that faith has taken a hit for me personally as well. Uh, but I've raised him up recently, just a little bit. He's in my early 30s for me at running back right now because there is a chance he could lead this room still. I still think he shows those flashes that I liked as a as a prospect as well. I I don't think he's a lost talent. I just think there's been a lot of nagging injuries and a lot of bull. I just want to I want to see a full season of him starting so I can make my uh, make my analysis properly before I completely write him off. He's still low. It's still in the 30s. That's still quite a far away. The easy choice, obviously, in this room is Branson Robinson. Top 12 running back for me. Look good in his limited playing time this year. I just wonder how much playing time he's going to get. But with Milton's health issues. Um, Dejon Edwards being like as as middle of the pack as they come, there's still a small chance he could put up some big time production this year, especially as they shift to a new quarterback, new OC. Maybe it's going to be run heavy a little bit. We see more Branson, but obviously that's the choice in Debbie circles, but I'm not counting Milton out as a starter. How many games has Milton had over 10 rushing attempts like in his career in college? Oh God. Six. Over 10. So 11 Six. or more. Six. It's one. It's it's one. one. See, see, bro, that's what I'm one. talking about. Can I get a full evaluation on him, please? Can I actually see the guy? But I get it. I get why you're out. I get why other people are out. I just, I guess that's just the way I feel about it. I'm out, out, by the way. Do you, yeah, want, do you want to have him ranked? Probably in like 60s, 70s, not on your sheath. <laughs> oh, yeah. You nailed it, dude. 61. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, yeah, I know I he's think, probably far for you. I think Georgia's just suffered from having no good running back since Sony and Nick Chubb. Like, I really don't think they've had like good running back talent since then. It's just a lot of mediocre yeah. guys that they've they had, had high really ranking talent, like a lot yeah. of recruitment talent, but just guys who haven't really panned out. Zemir, Zemir tore two ACLs. I got to be a little more fair to Zamir there. But yeah, but yeah, it, it's been very disappointing. I think Branson's the first one that's not disappointing so far. Uh, yeah. I am curious to see who catches balls out that backfield, though. Uh, I know Milton didn't catch any balls, but looked good in spring one, like for like one or two catches or whatever, but um, yeah. I have to look into Dejon Edwards. Maybe he might be the pass catching back here. I don't think he actually caught that much either, to be honest with you. I actually think Milton was the is the leading returner who caught the most balls and that still was like under 10. So it'll be four. interesting to see where that goes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's only four. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it'll be Dejan 14 for one Oh one. Okay. See, I'm misremembering. See, and he's, he's five, 10 to a one. Like he's smaller. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So oh, I guess, am guess how many attempts. Guess how many times he rushed the ball over 10 times this year. Four. Seven. See, I mean, Seven. See, yeah. <laughs> see, I'm sorry. I'm so done with Milton. I know he's hurt all the time. I'm so done. He's yeah. just an early down back. And he's not even that good at it. Yeah, that's that's fair. We'll see what happens this year. All right. <laughs> let's, let's go on. Let's go on. Uh, let's talk about uh, let's talk about Chase McClellan versus Jam Miller here. Going over to Alabama, Chase McClellan, uh, one of the most athletic high school recruits. Really haven't seen it too often. I, I think he, did he tear, tear an ACL? Was it ACL? Yeah, ACL. Yep. Yep. ACL okay. Tear. Uh, he looked good in spurts this year. I was pretty hard on him until I, uh, I, I think I wrote up his debut profile actually already. Um, but I went back and watched film. I got a second opinion. I actually came away a little bit more impressed, especially against Kentucky, honestly. But, uh, <laughs> but, um, 
yeah, he just hasn't lived up to the hype. I think he bounces stuff out wide. He struggles with with running down the middle. He's just overall has been successful against Power Five competition, with the exception of Kentucky. Um, but little flashes, like you say. But unlike uh, Kendall Millen, I can see him getting on the field more. I, I can see the success here. I, I can see the athleticism. So, uh, and and Jam Miller, I, I've heard got a lot of people I, I trust their analysis. Don't think he's that good of a runner. Uh, I hear at Campus Akin, I, I am on the opposite side of that. I think he can be a fine as a runner at the next level. But we yeah. want to see more. But he's been extremely efficient in his limited touches, and that's what you want to see out of a true freshman. And I don't – and Austin, I don't think Roydell Williams gets more touches than Dan Miller. <laughs> I not believe that for a second. But anyway, Corey, who do you got? Yeah, like I, I think Jace is probably the locked-in starter. I don't really know if there is a, a, a really a debate there. Like, w- like would you – think any of them can push for the top spot like i don't think anybody's pushing for the for the lead role this year i think yeah i, I do think jam can push you do I, you that's do why eh? i put it on the sheet that's why i put it on the sheet no i mean i guess i, I just wanted to know if maybe this was more of a debbie question because for, for in it like jamarion sorry jam miller is a top 12 <laughs> running back for three right. of our for three of our rankers right now which i think is austin me and you have him as a top 12 running back right now. So I think we, we do see the potential in him, but it is it is a little bit of, of a projection too. You know, this is a guy, good size to the table, uh, speed, versatile in the pass game as well. I remember he caught a lot of balls in high school as well. Um, I think he ran like a 10.700 meter time, so there's some speed there as well. And he saw solid action in his first season. I think that we like a lot of what we saw. We can project him forward feeling pretty comfortable about it. He's in front of, J- of Jason McClellan for me in Debbie rankings, but only by two spots. Just because, you know, Jason McClellan has had the ACL as well. He kind of looked good in spurts, but kind of looks one-dimensional a little bit as well um, sometimes. Is athletic. I don't know if that athleticism is back, but like the way he tested as a recruit. We'll see. This will be his second year now removed from the ACL. So maybe we start to see a more well-rounded Jason McClellan this year as well, which is why I have him fairly high as well. I think he can. He has the tools to have a good season as well. And we'll, and we'll just kind of see how it all shakes out. I do think Miller's probably RB2. Maybe it can work. They can work together. We're kind of splitting. I do think, you know, if there was one guy that maybe I could pick at all this, I think Haynes is kind of a wild card here. Uh, I think he's in. I, I do. I think he's, I, he's exciting. He brings a dynamic and a running style to this offense that none of the other guys bring. I think that he could be like the Gibbs type in a sense, what they, what they asked Gibbs to do last year. I think he can bring that to the table where I don't think that's necessarily in the tool shed of, of Miller and, and Jace as much. So I, I'm wondering if he can carve out a year, a role in year one. Okay. I think he's a wild card. That's all I'm going to label him as, but all I'm right. saying Jace is the starter. Jam Miller's a guy who I want. I think, I don't know. Dude. First off, I'm mistaken. He didn't play Kentucky this year. So now I don't know what game I watched where I thought he was somewhat impressive. Maybe Ole Miss. <laughs> but his numbers are really inflated from like two or three. Com- I just, he's been so unimpressive. I think his vision. No, he had a, he too. had a really weird year too, where it was like a little bit of impressive runs near the beginning. Then conference play kicked off and he saw a down, a downward trend. And then like to the words, the back half of the season started to pick up again. And it yeah. was this really weird, like, you know, like kind of thing with him where we kind of weren't sure. But again, a guy who is recovering from an ACL as well and, and kind of need to just see, like, maybe he can look a little bit better the next year. He's going into his fourth year. Is that right? Fourth year? I think so. Yeah, I think he correct. might be a fourth year because he lost the year to the ACL. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I'm just not, I'm not into him, but that, that's, I still think he gets draft capital. I think he's like, he's still in contention for a third round. I'm just not, I'm not thinking he does. Much Mike is like insanely fast to just hop off. And if you don't do anything, cut, you're gone from, from Mike's <laughs> rankings. 
like that <laughs> meme with the guy with the stick that's like poking like you know like, yeah but then you do something and you'll hop up 30 spots in mike's rankings right <laughs> no i don't think so. i'm not reacting <laughs> like that i'm not reacting uh, okay fair enough let's All move right. on to the next one because i know you love both these guys yes this one is tough for me uh singleton versus katron allen uh, the positional battle. Oh, I, see, no that wasn't even here. the one that I had listed. No, you're you're missing. You're skipping right over USC. Your favorite oh, two rounds. That's because I don't think it's a battle. I think everyone. <laughs> Mark John Lloyd. Make it quick. Austin Jones. Yeah. All right. South Carolina <laughs> transfer five star or sorry, high four star Marshawn Lloyd comes in. Uh, the camp reports are glowing. I'm sure they're lying their ass off over there as California. Um, and then against Austin Jones, who got some run last year. I just don't. I'm just so I'm so uninterested in USC running backs. Uh, I mean, Rojo was exciting there for a little bit, but like besides, oh, sorry, Super Bowl champion Rojo uh, was exciting <laughs> for a little bit, but I, I just don't I don't care about him. I don't I just I don't. This guy had two ACL tears. He hasn't looked good at all since he's played. People will point out his two G five competitions could care less. He did look good against Kentucky. That's that's the one that played against Kentucky was Marshawn Lloyd. Um, but besides that, like one game in four years. To give me a break, yeah. bro. Do something. Do something. I'll even so, push. I'll even push back on that Kentucky game a little bit. I actually rewatched it two days ago, if I'm not mistaken, and um, he really had trouble changing direction. I thought, like he had some wide open holes that he ran through. Two big runs in that game that really added up to that total. But still, like I thought, he's lost explosiveness from the injuries. And again, that's another thing yeah. that we kind of have to see if he's going to come back from those as well. But he's lost explosiveness. This was a guy that was prided on those quick feet, that I loved those quick feet watching that in high school, him evading traffic, working his way out of really tight traffic. I don't know if he has that in him anymore. I don't. I don't see it on the film, at least. So I'm like with you. I, I'm a little bit surprised how many people are rebuying back into this, um, going back into the USC. I do think he improved. He's improved year to year from the injury. Um, you know, a little bit we're, more fluidity, we're, we're, two, but... we're two years removed now. I think we're a little over two years. I mean, we need to be seeing. No, more. yeah, that's that's the problem, right? Like, I mean, we need to just see a little bit more from him. He's gonna go to a good offense here at USC. He's gonna have chances. I'm not in on Jones at all. I don't even have him ranked. Um, I don't even know why he decided to come over here from Stanford either. He never really built off that season from Stanford. He's going to his fifth year bat, a uh, fifth year sub two hundred pound back. I'm not worried about that at all. I think they brought Lloyd in to be the guy i'm just wondering how good it's going to look towards nfl potential i'm skeptical of if that's there he's somewhere in my 40s which i'm sure is higher than you are um which uh but that's still pretty low for me so i like him to lead this backfield he'd be the guy i take in a debbie draft between these two guys but like i'm pretty skeptical on what he could become uh, austin jones had three 100 yard games last year against fresno ucla notre dame those are both good games quite good teams um anyway so those are our two guys there uh i do think i i do think this is austin jones back though i'm gonna say it. i think it's his wow back. really eh you think so yeah i do i do um uh <laughs> let's get on to it. let's get on to katron versus nicholas singleton so this this, this these battle two, these two freshmen had great years uh i know we mean you talked about hoping that katron goes into the portal finds somewhere else because he deserves a starting spot at a power five and more workload I do think that this turns into a like Bijan and Roshan Johnson type of situation. The Roshan Johnson being Katron Allen here. Um, mm. And Roshan, you know, we both like him. We think he's a day three guy, but we think he's a day three guy that we would, you know, be interested in in drafting and rookie drafts. Uh, but Nick Stilton should be taking this over. He's already put on nine more pounds. He just needs to learn how to run down the middle. He is far and away the better athlete. 
Uh, Catron is the opposite, who already knows how to run down the middle, and that's what he specializes in. Uh, but as as far as Nick Sona should be developing his skill set to be more of a complete back, uh, and Catron's just I think just can be pushed out just because just because Nick Sona is that special. Yeah, I I, <laughs> I pushed back on this one when you first mentioned it because I really don't know how much he needs to be talked about. Singleton is ranked as like a top five guy right now. Um, Kate Charnell is ranked a lot, a lot lower below him. But if we're just talking about like the starting roles or whatever, like I, I still think a lot of people are probably in on Singleton or whatever. But I will push back a little bit and think that I do think this is going to kind of remain a little bit of a shared backfield between the two. Right. You know, I do think that Singleton could um, command more touches, especially as he gets more into the college game, was, was a really raw guy coming out of high school, um, ran that triple option offense where Katron coming from IMG, very refined prospect. Um, was, wasn't was a surprise to me to see him get on the field early, um, but he just lacks that like physicality and explosiveness and, and, and the physical traits that Singleton does, right? There's not really a competition there. Devi, you're going with Singleton um, um, the whole way. Uh, Katron, I don't think, is going to ever push for a bigger role in his backfield. I just think that he could possibly maintain the one that he has unless Singleton just, you know, blows him out of the water this year. But I, I just see it being a little bit more of a share. I think they both bring something good to this team right now. So for, for Penn State fans, good for them. Maybe we don't like it as much, but uh, I still think he sticks around and, and holds a pretty good uh, pretty good share of that backfield. Yeah, I, okay, so I do agree with you. I, I do think Catron was a little less efficient against against better teams. But yeah. but here's, here's the thing. Catron had 167 attempts, and Nick Singleton had 159 attempts. Yeah. So Catron out-touched him by like 11 touches there. I mean – that's got to come down, right? Like, we got to think, like, you know, Nick Stewartson gets up maybe close to the 200s, and Catron probably drops down to the low 100s. By yeah, the time I could see that, absolutely. By the time the NFL draft rolls around for them, like year three, whatever. Yeah, I, and I even wonder, too, if by that time, I think this year we're looking at a share, and I even wonder if by the third year Allen wants to go somewhere else and try to be his own guy somewhere. So I, I hope so. I really do think he deserves it, and I would definitely yeah. bump him up my rankings if he did because um, I don't want this being a, you know, a day three guy conversation, a split backfield. Uh, Damian Pierce was a split backfield. Mayan Williams, you know, I, I think yeah. Mayan has got some heavy value there. He's, but it's just another split back backfield. Uh, let's go on though. Let's go on to Florida here. Let's talk about Montrell Johnson versus Tra- Trevor Etienne. Now, this is a real battle, and I think this one's a little hard for me because I was a very early, mm-hmm. I was an early fan for Montrell. I, I consider that a success because his ADP definitely shot way up in campus can drafts. He's pretty consistently in the top ten now. And I think before he, you get him in like the mid teens. Uh, in your drafts, but it's been a split backfield, Corey. So who do you think gets the edge next year? Mm. Yeah, I think it probably continues to be a split, maybe similar to before. I think we saw upside from both guys. Um, they committed more to Montreal a little bit down the back half of the season. He's getting a lot of double-digit touches, but there was the games where um, Etienne was actually more productive and more efficient as well. Um, so I think they both kind of, kind of brought something to here and i think etienne probably surprised some people i think i was more impressed with him um you know coming into college he, he played in a very weird offense in high school they rolled yeah, out a ton surprised. yeah they they threw the ball up but he kind of looked a little soft too a little round didn't have like great weight on him i guess um so he played way above my expectations uh we've already seen what he can do as a freshman in the power five so that's the one difference here from montreal as well brings better size to the table as well than montreal does and i personally think he has more upside as a pass catcher even though the production says different from montreal but just based on what i've seen in the high school usage just but was a guy who caught a lot of balls in high school um so i'm i'm favoring etienne here uh, i'd i 
I don't know if he's going to overtake the backfield. I was just impressed with him. So it's from a Devi sense. I'm taking Etienne first. I think it remains a split. Um, but Montreal's still a really interesting pick, especially at his ADP now, because because Etienne is somewhere going within the top five rounds now. In Montreal, you can still get round eight, round nine, or something like that. So there, there he. Etienne's definitely going to be the guy I'm going to take first, but Montreal is still interesting. I just wish he'd add a little bit more pounds as well. Yeah, I like both these guys' physical profiles. I really do. Um, Etienne's on like the smaller side. He's listed at 5'9", I think. Yeah, but um, he's like 215 pounds. Yeah, I know, but once the NFL draft rolls around, we find out these guys are 5'8". <laughs> you yeah, know? Very, very stout. I like that. I like that. I don't I care don't about know. his height, to be honest. I like the there's stout. A high, there's a height limit for me, man. There really is. Yeah. <laughs> it's usually 5'7", uh, man, but I get a little sweaty at the 5'8". <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, so I, and Montreal did follow over his head coach from UOL. I'm not really sure if that loyalty sticks around. Because like, down the stretch, Etienne was a lot more efficient than Montreal. Montreal oh, really yeah. struggled those last three games against Bandy, yeah. Florida State, and... Uh, Oregon State. So um, I'm with you. That, well, the bowl game doesn't really count because no one really plays the bowl game. But I think, I don't know, man. I think ETN might take over a little bit more. There might not be an even split. Yeah. He looked, he looked a little bit better down the stretch last year. Yeah. So we'll see if he builds off that. Let's go on to our next one. Let's go on to the Texas running back room. Uh, and, and I know Jonathan Brooks is hurt right now, but Jonathan Brooks versus Jadon Blue. Cedric Baxter, uh, Keelan Robinson, according to Matt Bruning's uh, spring camp report, was like fourth on the depth chart. So I, I think we can just not talk about Keelan Robinson as a Debbie asset. But yeah, <laughs> let's go on to <laughs> Jadon Blue's got the early run while Jonathan Brooks is out. Uh, Cedric Baxter is right there behind him. He's the number one running back for us here at Camp Skin. I think this is Jonathan Brooks' backfield. I actually was. Have you watched? Have you watched much Jonathan Brooks? Limited touch. Just have you seen him. Just the bowl game from last year is what I saw, which I wasn't super impressed with. I was actually very impressed with his limited touches. Really? Yeah, I mean, I got to take an extra hard look at it. I thought he was it, really but... efficient, but then I watched him. I was like, he is smaller, but like he had some pretty good power for the college level. I, I'm looking at him like a day three running back, pass catching back, but he gets like the 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 Tajay Spears type hype. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think he competes with Bucky Irvin in like that category. So like, you know. Yeah, that's a that's definitely a little bit higher than I'd have Brooks right now. I don't know if he's shown me anything really, at least now. Maybe I gotta go look a little bit closer at his game, but um that he brings it, I'm just like like overly excited about. Like Jadon Blue, we loved as a prospect, okay. And I understand the weight drop. Um and, and for what it's worth, I think Keelan Robinson like came late and there might be a little bit of a punishment going on or something like that right now. So I'm not really sure where he fits into this because it was him and Brooks last year during the bowl game um, um, when Bijan sat out and Roshan sat out the game. So we kind of got to see a little preview there. But, you know, Jadon Blue running with the first team, guy that we really liked. Um, I'm not ready to completely cut the cord yet. Um, mm. he's super low in my rankings, though, like not super um, high or anything, but I do still have him above Jonathan Brooks. I do still think he's more talented than Jonathan Brooks. And then you still have Cedric Baxter there, who's a guy that I think could probably take over at some point during the season and start getting the majority of the touches, maybe down the back half of the season, probably the most talented guy there. So in my order, if I'm going, if I'm picking the three, obviously it's Baxter, who's, you know, going to be verging on a first round pick by the time the off season finishes here. Um, and then it's, I'm probably going to be taking a shot on Jadon Blue next, and I'm probably going to take a shot on Brooks super late if I had to, but just not a guy that I'm super into right now. I'll have to take another look at him off of what you're kind of saying, but it's it's Baxter Blue and, and the rest. I watched – okay, so I watched his two games. It was like Oklahoma and Kansas State. I thought he was very mm-hmm. impressive given the limited touches. Um, 
I think Bastard takes over the number two role by midseason. Mm-hmm. I do think then Barry's Jonathan Brooks. So here's my rankings right now. I got Baxter at six, right? Overall. Mm-hmm. Then I have overall. Oh, like run uh, running back overall, right? Yeah, yeah. Running back overall. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then I got Brooks at 34. I was impressed and moved him up. I think I had him in the 50s or like the 40s. Um, and then I got blue mm-hmm. at 49. I got blue at 49. So you actually so have Brooks in front of it. So you think that if all things went right for blue, all things go right for both these guys, you think you would rather have Jonathan Brooks? I don't know what going right means. I, I think he can have a superb spring the way it's going right now. I think he can have even a good yeah. summer. But Brooks is going to get the first like cut at it. I think it's Brooks back for the entire year. Uh, I hope he goes to the draft. And I think Cedric Bassard takes over the number two role here. Um by midseason, and then and then we see Baxter probably take it over next year. That's why I hope Brooks is gone by then. Well, so Brooks I, I, is what Brooks is a fourth going into his fourth year. I believe third, third year. This is his third year coming up. So, um, I was wondering who who has the edge there a little bit on youth or whatever, and who can maybe has the time to add some more pounds to his frame or something like that. Because Brooks yeah. is pretty small too. I think Jaden Blue has a smaller, lot farther to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, but Brooks has a smaller frame. Like I don't think he can add much more weight. Like, I don't think he's a 210 plus guy. I don't think he can ever get there. And he's definitely not six foot. But anyway, uh, let's get on to it. Let's get on to the Oklahoma running back room. Javante Barnes, Gavin Salchuk, and Marcus Major. Marcus Major was the main, I'm going to say Major, bro, was the main running back there uh, to start off. We saw Javante take over towards the end there. I think it's Javante's backfield. I don't think Marcus Major was that good. Yeah, I'm definitely with you there. Uh, Barnes got an impressive amount of run for his his first year there. Um, I think he's going to be the starter. I want him more in Debbie as well. It's a very easy answer for me here. Um, I think he only had, what, four different games where he had double-digit carries. I'm going to look at my notes here. Um, went over 100 scrimmage yards in two of those games and scored five touchdowns. Was the lead in the bowl game as well. So looks like they're kind of gearing up for him to be the guy as well. Sawchuck, uh, Gavin Sawchuck, a smaller guy there, only listed 185 pounds. He did flash in that in that bowl game as well, but that was only his second appearance of the season. Barnes had kind of been acting as the backup, uh, sometimes a third down back or a third running back on the depth chart for a while too. But he was active for a lot of the season. Um, so it seems like they prefer prefer him more. Uh, Marcus Major, at one point, um, was a guy that was kind of interesting, but just hasn't been able to stay healthy. Um, I think he was already on the verge of being passed over last year, so I'd be surprised if he walks into a meaningful role this year. So um, Barnes is interesting. I think Barnes, when I was kind of looking at freshmen, he reminded me of like a cheaper um, Jam Miller. He did, in a sense. So I think he's got that kind of versatility to him. He's played really well this year, so we'll kind of see what – or last year. So we'll see what happens, but I, I'm fully behind him as a starter. And the guy I want, Debbie. Yeah, yeah. So last year, 116 attempts for 515 yards, five touchdowns, one fumble. He did get to play in the bowl game for 27 attempts for 108 yards. And one it wasn't touchdown. very efficient. It wasn't very efficient, no. Against Florida State, though. It's against Florida yeah. State. Um, it got seven targets. I do think this might be a similar to like a Kennedy Brooks, Eric Gray situation. Gavin Sautrick being the Eric Gray and Javante being the Kennedy Brooks. And then Marcus yeah. Majors just kind of disappears in the sunset as far as Debbie goes I'd rather Javante um but I think in the class in his class I have him as like RB15 so I'm not really super high on him he's more yeah. of just a guy I do um, remember but, you were you were pretty low on him for a while when we were talking about some of these early, early freshmen before the season I remember he was actually pretty low for you but I'm interested to know where you have him ranked now actually I have I just don't see the upside as much and I just, it's not like I think he's bad I definitely don't I think he oh, 
I think I think he's a good player. I don't know. I, I, something in my head tells me I'm too low, but when I like still look at it, I'm like, no, he's appropriately ranked. He's at 33 for me. Okay, so we're not too far off. I have my 27. Okay, that's not that far off. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's get on to the next one here. Let's um, real quick, real quick, just one word response. Mayan Williams versus Trevion Tre- Henderson. <laughs> Trevion Henderson. Uh, this is uh, this is definitely Travion Henderson for here. I'm on, in the camp of a big bounce back for Travion this year. We know he wasn't right last year. Tried to play through some injuries. Didn't exactly look right. I still have him as a top three running back. He's in the top tier of my Debbie running backs. I am not a Mayan guy. I understand that he is nimble on his feet for a bigger guy, but this guy is as slow as molasses. I'd like to see him in a race with Tavion Thomas and see who wins because I'm not sure it would be Mayan. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just <laughs> I'm just telling you, he looks very slow on tape. He kind of waddles out there. Like, you know, he reminds me of like, I don't know if anybody will remember this reference. I think you, people will, obviously. But CJ Anderson, when he joined the Rams for that playoff stretch. Yeah. And he was like this big bowling ball that wasn't very fast, but had a good understanding of his vision and still found ways to win. I could see mine succeeding at that level, but not not the upside of Travion Henderson. I'm going with him in Devi and hopefully as the starter this year, but it will kind of be a split, I think. Okay. Well, I won't give any commentary. We all know Canadians don't lie, so <laughs> we're put, we put that battle to bed. Okay. All right, let's head on over to the wide receiver position. And again, positional battles were different, so we'll kind of go over who we rather versus what is an actual positional battle. But let's just get right into it. Positional battle. Brandon Rice, the incumbent ex at the USC versus the – Arizona transfer Dorian Singer, uh, leading Pac-12 wide receiver last year. This is a camp battle I am very interested in, and the whole USC wide receiver core is going to be a lot of fun to dissect once we get into it. Cordy, who do you got? Yeah, yeah, I, I do agree. The whole wide receiver room is probably a little bit of a question in general. Maybe Mario Williams, maybe the only assume starter but he's pretty lackluster last year too man like i don't know yeah. if he's i don't know what he's gonna have but anyways but anyways between williams rice uh singer washington i guess um they got freshmen coming in as well i guess you go to a bunch of different ways but looking at it from Devi or even c2c um we know the freshmen are going high so we don't really have to talk about that but at current cost i might feed singer who i think you know, doesn't really make it out of the top six rounds a lot in C2C or Devi. Um, we've kind of talked about his skill set a little bit before, well, too. We're just talking about who would you rather, not who you're fading at value, dude. Who do you think is the starting X? No, I'm get, I'm going to get into that. I'm going to get into all that. Right, I'm just I'm right. just setting it up. All right. Um, I do like Rice, obviously, at his at his at his uh, price a little bit more. I think in general, because I'm because I'm thinking that way, is I have doubts that Singer is going to walk in and be the guy that everybody thinks he's going to be. I think we all saw Rice in that last game last year put on a pretty good show maybe walks in with a little bit more respect in that room maybe walks in with a little bit of a better hold on the starting job I think he could push for for some good time here like you know I'm not afraid to kind of lean into Brendan Rice a little bit here over over Dorian Singer I know people are very high on him but I really do think Brendan Rice has got a little bit of something analytics people are going to hate that they're going to absolutely hate it Brendan Rice going to his fourth year has nothing to show for it Dorian Singer going into his third year uh, almost led the Pac-12 last year. Actually, I'm pretty sure Romo Dunze finished as the leading receiver last year after uh, the bowl games. But um, still, very good receiver, very good profile. Just doesn't strike me as the type of wide receiver that I'm loving right now. I know you went back on to look at him a little bit, so I'm eager to kind of get your thoughts on here. Yeah, I did. I, wrote, I already wrote his debut profile. I need to go back to adjust a little bit because I thought 
sometimes I get a little too focused at the actual route. Um, but I was looking more of his release recently. I thought he had a much better release than I gave him credit for. Um, he's not a manipulator in his route. He's a contested catch guy. But he does give the effort to be deceptive at the line. So I got to give him a little bit of credit for that there. But as far as an athlete goes, like on-field athlete, Brendan Rice is a much better athlete than Dorian Singer is. Uh, his last game was just perfection. I mean, chef kiss perfection and how he played. So I hope he builds off of that. Um, but I, I'm like also trying to think about it from the coaching angle. Um, like Lincoln Riley, I feel like Lincoln Riley favors more athletic wide receivers. Am I wrong for that thought process? I don't know. Maybe, maybe. I'm not could really possibly. Sure yeah, maybe it could be favoring a guy who's been in the system a little bit as well. But I, you know, Singer is kind of a high profile transfer, I guess. But so is Mario yeah. Williams at the same time, who finished like fourth on the team in receiving last year. So I don't. You, we don't know. We don't know who's promised what. I don't think. I just. I I think Rice could win this job. I really do. Yeah. Okay. So I. I think me and Corey both don't know the answer. I think we're both very excited yeah. to find out, though. This is a real, actual positional battle that we want to we'll go on front row seats to. Uh, um, the new offense at Colorado, Jordan Tyson coming off an ACL versus Travis Hunter. Now, Travis Hunter is a two-way player, and I know the common sense response is that Travis Hunter won't be playing offense full-time. But this offense is just lacking playmakers. Uh, I know they have the USF transfer coming in. What was his name? And it was like Weaver. I can't, I can't remember. Yeah, I can't okay. remember. Okay, so they have some transfers coming in. There's some. They're definitely some CFF guys, but it's a pretty open room as far as like who plays what and where, and it's just so open. So, who who would you favor in the Colorado wide receiver room for Denver? Yeah, I think if we're talking about starter. And playing time, we have to point towards the fact that he wants to play both sides of the ball. There's a lot of reason that, or there's a lot of theory, at least, that Hunter followed uh, Dion to Colorado because he was going to allow him to keep playing on both sides of the ball, which is something Travis Hunter wants, apparently. So I think that's going to be a big part. I think Tyson might end up being the starter in name then because of that. And I think he led Colorado last year, even in only nine games in receiving, I believe, right? If I'm not yeah, mistaken. He did. Yeah. Right. So like he, yeah. So he led that team um, going to be a question about how healthy he's going to be as well. But um, if I had to choose one in Devi, at least I'm still going to go with Hunter because I think he has the upside was the number one recruit in the freaking nation. He is a little bit thin. I'm obviously going to want to see that come up a little bit, but I did watch some of his Jackson uh, state tape. I posted some on Twitter. You can look up, you know, Travis Hunter and my, and my handle, you'll see some of the tape I cut up there. Kind of hard to find a lot of it as well. Um, but he he does move really well, does some nice things, but he's just completely unrefined. And I'm eager to see if maybe that'll change if he focuses on more of a wide receiver role. Because I think even Austin is somebody who's in our chat has, has said, you know, if he would ever just commit to playing wide receiver, we could see him as being like a top 15 wide receiver in Debbie, which I think he kind of has that upside if he would ever just commit to it. But I just think, Tyson, we have to see a little bit more from him still. Um, Hunter, we're putting a little bit of faith into that recruitment ranking. But, yeah, it's Hunter and Devi, and I think Tyson's going to kind of be the name starter um, in in Colorado right now. Yeah, no, I think you nailed it there. I'm with you. I do want to note this. His two top games for, for passing snaps were 20, 20 snaps. So if he gets 20 snaps a game at the next level, I think that could be kind of – that could be pretty productive too. Like yeah. Four or five. Five targets each game. I think he also missed like four games last season, right? Travis Hunter, four or six or something in the beginning of the season. So he didn't even, the, the stats even look less because of that. So it's, it remains to be seen how much he would have played more on the offensive side the longer the season went. Yeah. 
All right, let's get into the next one. That was more of a would you rather. This is going to be more of a positional battle here for sure. Talking about Bo Collins versus Adam Randall. Both are missing spring at the moment for their injuries. Bo for his shoulder, Adam for his knee, maybe get re-aggravated. We don't know the exact details on what's going on there. But, Corey, who would you rather in this positional battle? Who do you think comes out as the wide receiver two in this offense? Because we all know who the real one is. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I'm absolutely going with the upside and a little bit of unknown in, in Randall right now. Um, who you miraculously, yeah, mir- he miraculously beat those zero one thresholds last year. Um, and I, I still don't know when that two thirty happened. It, it seemed like it was rated like I don't know if last year he was playing at two thirty at some point, maybe after the ACL. So I don't know. Um, I'm just surprised to see that two thirty number because then I look in our database and I notice he's already at two thirty in our database, and I don't know if that's updated like as soon as they updated in spring. So I'm wondering if like he was at 230 at some point last season. Anyways, um, I'm still betting on him because like, I still think this is one of the favorite high school tapes for wide receiver. I watched in the past couple of years. I really think he's like, has tremendous upside if he can return to form. That's obviously the question is going to be with him ballooning weight as well up to 230. I don't know how he's going to carry it, if he's going to carry that athleticism. But we've talked about Bo Collins before. We don't really even know what to do with him anymore. I really like some of the stuff he did as a freshman, but he didn't set the world on fire. And now he's dealing with health health issues, continuously dealing with health issues last year as well, missing spring. I think he could end up maybe even the odd man out in this rotation, depending on what happens or who feels faster, I guess, between him and Randall, like who's going to be the first one. So um, still taking Randall first. I'll admit his value is a little uncomfortably high because he's going within like the first three rounds of startups. Um, so the upside is there, though. I get it. Um but uh, yeah, both starting to push to like the double digit rounds, which I think is appropriate. So if you want to take that shot, still go ahead. But I mean, one-on-one here, just choosing one, it's Adam Randall, no contest. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think Bo lost the one position to Antonio Williams before injury, which is just mm-hmm. a huge flag to me for his skill set. Not that DJU was doing him any favors, but I don't think he was doing DJU any favors either. So uh, I am there with you on Randall. I do think Randall might have another slow year. Like I might, I'm trying to like keep my expectations low this year. Mm-hmm. But I, I agree. So yeah. it's gonna be one of those guys you're gonna be holding on to until year three, and you really hope he breaks out year three once he gets right. Because I'm also not excited about the 230 weight. Like I'm not. There's no way I'm gonna spin the story about how oh he's hitting the gym. I don't think it's good weight. No, so I mean, there was even like, like, not that I'm just trying to pay attention, but like, I even saw a couple pictures last year where maybe he had a little bit of a belly playing, trying to kind of decipher when this 230 happened. And like, I'm wondering if he was kind of playing at that, maybe it's kind of ACL weight, but we'll see what happens, I guess, post spring. All right, let's do uh let's do another Felix special. Isaiah Nayor or Adonai Mitchell. Yeah. So this one, you've known how I felt about Xavier Worthy or, um, Isaiah Nayor for a long time, obviously. Like I've always just yeah. kind of been over this contested catch guy from the G5 who's force-fed targets a lot, tore his ACL last year, fell way down the track. Now they bring in Adonai Mitchell, who's uh, who's a nice talent, um, but I think it's easy easy choice for me to say Adonai Mitchell. Give me the better athlete coming from the better program with better needs. Yes, yeah, Adonai Mitchell. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so yeah, but okay. So let's let's throw Xavier Worthy in here now, though. Yeah, they're both X's, right? That's both yeah. in place. So who's who's going to keep the X role and through our receiver sets? Uh, do you, okay. First off, do you believe the story that Xavier Worthy had a broken hand last season? Do you believe? Well, I don't know. I don't know. There's already reports coming out in practice that he's dropping more balls. So does he still have a broken hand? <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> what what's the real story here? I don't know. I don't. 
if he wants to try to build up the narrative that way, then sure, okay, maybe there was something wrong with his hands. We'll see how it plays out this year because he's got going to have to answer those questions this year now. Who's who's Quinn living with? Do you have that information? Who's Quinn living with? I don't have I don't have information. I'm gonna have to look <laughs> yeah, it up. We gotta <laughs> <find> out. <laughs> oh man. Um gosh, yeah. I give me I don't know. I I can't okay. I can't I'll I'll even give it to you give easy. The, I'll I'll give it to you easy though. At cost, who do you want then? Like if you had to choose either choosing Xavier Worthy by sometimes he's falling to like the first pick of the third round. If you had to choose him by that point, or if you had to choose a Donai Mitchell by the eighth round. Give me worthy. I, I think even if he repeats yeah. last year's production, he's still like a second round pick in the draft. And he still has a really nice skill set. I think he's an underrated route runner. Just isn't usually that. I've seen him flash as a route runner. I've seen him use some deception. I think he does have a intangible skill set too with his speed. Uh, so I give me give me worthy. But I, I could I could see the world. Ad Mitchell is more productive than worthy this year, which is a little scary to say that out loud. But I, I see the world where that happens. Yeah, he could he could be more of a high volume type. But I also just want to point out, you know, I've been watching this guy at Georgia for a while. Was a three star recruit. Um, it has good body control, can make like spectacular grabs, but he's extremely raw as well. Not a very good route runner. I wrote him up for the Debbie guy last year as well. Not like a super good route runner. Um, needs to get more consistent in his ball skills as well. Kind of fights it with his hands sometimes. I, I do like what his size and his, his athleticism could bring to this offense, but it's it's he's a little bit raw too, and he is also getting reports about drop balls in practice right now. So both these mm. lead guys are dropping balls right now. So I, don't, so yeah, I agree with you though. Going Got to go with Worthy. There's no substitute for that kind of speed. And just that alone makes him a better shot at day one or day two capital. Another bad year. Quinn Ewers coming up with receivers dropping balls. Yeah. We need to, we need Jatavion back. We don't need this stuff anymore. (laughs) All right. The rest of these will be who'd you rather? We aren't doing the positional battles here. This is more of a who'd you rather in these in these wide receiver rooms. Let's start off with Alabama, Jermaine Burden, and Ja'Cory Brooks. Corey, I am throwing it to you first since you guys share. Yeah. So the easier answer here is Brooks. Okay. But when I a- analyze this question, I kind of want to flip this around a little bit. At oh, what wait, point... wait, wait. That's the easy okay. answer is Brooks. I, g- I guess there is no easy answer. That's what, that's what I'm kind of like trying to say. That's the easy answer with consensus is that Brooks right. is there. Okay. But when I start to think about this, okay, I think we got to start considering these guys closer than they are apart right now, considering consensus. Like, look at it this way. Okay. First two seasons at Georgia for Burton, 951 yards eight touchdowns while battling nagging injuries. I might add through Brooks first two seasons, 866 yards and 10 touchdowns in an arguably more pass happy offense and a more potent offense. Both have had guys to compete with as well. George Pickens was there during uh, Burton's first season, which was the season Pickens really put it together a little bit, 800 yards or whatever that got us excited for him. Um, And Brooks was playing with some of the other guys there as well. Um, Now Brooks is kind of going into his third season. Um, uh, going into Brooks's third season, or I mean, sorry, last year when Jermaine Burton came, he took over uh, the production uh, for Alabama, became the wide receiver one for Alabama. They they only produced like five yards within apart, apart from each other, but still they generally produce the same. So I don't know. I can't. I'm struggling to find reasons to keep Brooks like ahead of Jermaine Burton or keep ranking him so highly. Jacory has the fact that he's only going into his third year going for him and he might right. be able to, but to, to buck the trend or whatever, but Burton is the more athletic prospect, more yeah. versatility might be looked yeah. at more favorably in the eyes of the NFL because of that. I mean, there's a reason we were also high on him coming into the year. Right. So like, I, I think that we could kind of view these guys 
closer together. And I don't know, maybe I like Burton a little bit better. I did not expect you to come to this conclusion because I am also with you on that. No just, way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, his his skill set. Talking about like Will Levis, he has the yeah. traits, he has the tools, yeah, to be developed. Uh, the way we talk about like Raheem Jarrett too, who just who just did not develop. So, um, like I I see it on tape. Like he definitely is a good athlete. He runs into players during his routes, which is just like mind boggling that he just run into defenders mm-hmm. in routes. He just has no deceptive ability. His I see I see the effort. I just don't I don't see the execution and I don't think Brooks can even touch his level of ability to turn, his athleticism. I think Brooks' skill set is what it is today. And I don't think it's gonna really improve that much. I think he's just a possession, good hands, but like he's not gonna separate. He'll never separate. He's just a yeah, very bland athlete that struggles to turn. I mean, there's no deception with routes either. He's just there's no quickness in him. So I, I do think Burden has a higher ceiling. All right, let's go on to um Let's go on to Washington. Let's go the Washington wire series. Let's go on to Romo Dunze, Jalen McMillan. Two very different skill sets. Uh, Romo Dunze is the your typical X six foot three two hundred. Uh, not much of a route running type of guy. I think his yak ability is really lacking. Jalen McMillan is a little bit slimmer. I think he's six foot one one eighty. Last time I checked, um, definitely has more of the route running background. I think they're both pretty raw. But Corey, who do you have? Yeah, and we're actually, I actually didn't even realize the time already. We're getting pretty long here, so I'll try to make this quicker. I've been talking a little <laughs> bit too much, okay? But I will just say that I think Jalen McMillan is possibly the more versatile, more NFL-friendly scheme guy because I think he can play just about anywhere and do just about anything. I think Rome is the better X, though. I think he kind of has that prototypical build. He's kind of like the Cedric Tillman in a sense of this offense, in a sense, right? He kind of just is like the alpha out there. So I can see if people favor that a little bit more. I have McMillan like three spots higher, though. So I'm going to go with McMillan for now just because I like some of that versatility he brings versus Odunze. I also have a million three spots higher. I do think they're very close in draft. I think they're both complementary wide receivers. I believe they're like third-round picks next year. You probably don't really start them on your lineups, maybe some flex spots here and there. Um, but I'm with you. I think I think Millen has more of the pro skill set. As far as an X goes for Romo Odunze, his lack of yak and just overall physical aggression kind of like worries me. That mm-hmm. I don't see, I don't see. I'm sorry, but I'm gonna say this phrase. I don't see that dog in him almost ever. Yeah. So I'm a little, I'm a little worried more as far as an X goes. It's kind of like something you really want to see in your X wide receivers. So let's go on to our next one here. Uh, this one's more. I'm, I put this one in. Uh, Louisville wide receivers, Chris mm-hmm. Bell and Kevin Coleman, both sophomores. Both guys with limited touches. Kevin Coleman comes over from Jackson State. Chris Bell is a three star, six foot two to twenty. Runs 22 miles, 21.2 miles. He's fast. He's very fast for his size. Yeah. Has that prototypical X build. Jeff, Jeff Brom comes in from Purdue to Louisville. Now, Purdue typically, or Jeff Brom, typically uh, favored the slot receiver. Talking about Rondell Moore, David Bell. And I'm asking, Corey, who would you rather? Who would you rather in Debbie? Who would you take first? Not, not add value. Who would yep. you take first? Yeah. Kevin Coleman is fast. He is the higher rated prospect right obviously chris bell's pretty low right he was pretty low um yeah three star and kevin coleman was like i think last year 15 four star. yeah he was he was pretty high up there um didn't really make the impact for jackson state that you know maybe we kind of expected him to he kind of had that one big yeah. game i think near the end of the season did you, did you watch did you watch him i yeah well when i was watching travis hunter cutting up that film i saw a little bit of kevin coleman too but okay. he i i know he had like that one 
broken play from like it was almost like 90 yards or something like that i think from yeah from the yeah so i remember i remember him yeah, doing that but he he didn't make that much of an impact i guess so i know it's probably against the grain to go with the guy who's like lower ranked but Chris Bell checks the size boxes. He checks the power five box, at least starting there. I know Kevin Cullen probably had his opportunity to go somewhere else. I don't know why he chose Jackson State. I don't know why a lot of those guys did. Maybe Deion Sanders being there for some reason. I know he's transferring at least to power five now, but Chris Bell at least started there, hit some of the thresholds we like to see, has the size and the speed combo that I think will earn him more NFL eyes if he puts it together. So I think I'm going with Chris Bell here, at least from a Debbie perspective. And for the guy who who's going to be the starter, though, like that that's a tough one. I know this is more, more of a who would you rather, but I think that's part of this equation too because Kevin Coleman does profile as a better guy. I don't know if Chris Bell will kind of fade away or just be this complimentary guy, but it'll be kind of be interesting to see who becomes the guy there. I think Chris Bell will be the X and Kevin Coleman will be the slot, but I think Chris Bell is 100% the X next year. Yeah. Um, with uh, Tyler Hudson leaving, but um, yeah, you know, give me Chris Bell, one hundred percent. I watched Kevin Coleman at the at the SWAC. Uh, he was productive, beat year one models, uh, but he he didn't. I didn't. He didn't flash. I mean, you talk about the one catch from busted coverage, but even like watching like clips from other games, like there wasn't anything special. Like there wasn't one play that was special. Uh, out of Chris Bell's seven catches for like hundred yards or whatever it was, I did cut up some plays. I put it on Twitter. If you want to look them up, look them up with my my Twitter name at ff underscore dirty mike and just space Chris Bell. His two plays look good. I think you guys <laughs> you guys made fun of me in the Slack for it, but I was like as a freshman, I was like you got some deception in there. He definitely like broke. Well, some now if you extrapolate too. that to his next fourteen catches, that means seven of them are going to be <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I got you. I got you. So he he is the pros of quote X with NFL level athleticism. Uh, We just got to see the production and he has, he had, he has the coaching system. So now it's just on him to show us on field. Like he has all the other variables going for him. Um, So Corey, that's going to wrap it up for us tonight. Did you have anything else you wanted to say on our very short episode? No, this was this was a good lengthy one. Good conversation. I enjoyed it. And I'm eager yeah. to see how some of these some of these actually play out this spring. So make sure you guys are keeping it locked on the Campus Canton channels and we'll keep you updated on everything you need to know. Next week, join us. We're going to be doing a rankings versus ADP, mine and Corey's personal rankings versus uh, the ADP mock drafts that our very own Dynasty PJ is doing, uploading onto the website. We'll just see some guys that we're high on, some guys that we're low on. That will be next week from Corey and I. Good night and good luck.